the most vocal folks around that first book were not CIOs or chief digital data officers. It was really people aspiring to be those leadership roles. And so I said, well, what do I call these people? And that's where the term digital trailblazers came from. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. Since we launched this podcast almost four years ago, we have explored digital transformation and other great topics from many different perspectives. Going in our Wayback Machine to our second episode, we interviewed author and thought leader Isaac Sokolik about his book, Driving Digital. I'm really excited to welcome Isaac back to Status Go to talk about his new book, Digital Trailblazer, Essential Lessons to Jumpstart Transformation and Accelerate Your Technology Leadership. Using stories from his own experience that I know will resonate with our listeners when you hear some of these, Isaac guides us through 10 traits or skills you need to hone to enable you to drive transformation at your organization. Isaac, welcome back to Status Go, man. Jeff, thank you for having me. It's great. I didn't actually know it was the second episode, so I'm <laughs> thrilled to hear that, that you're still going with this. You know, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, your intro is great, and I can't wait to talk to you about transformation and leadership and uh, practices, wherever you want to go around the book and, and just things that I'm knowledgeable about. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, th- I think you'll be... Uh, I think this episode will be like 180, 181, so almost 180 episodes wow. uh, after we did the first one. So, um, and, and I know that your your first first book, Driving Digital, did did really well from a from a book sales perspective. Um, I know many people uh, around the Midwest, which is where I'm from, have have read it and have used what is in it to to drive. In, uh, transformation in their organizations. So I can't wait to dive in, dive into digital trailblazers. Before we get to that, though, mm-hmm. Isaac, how about a little bit of your background? Just share a little bit, you know, uh, episode two, episode 180, there's a lot of time <laughs> in between there, people might have forgotten a little bit. So tell give us a little bit of your journey. Sure, I'm going to give you two tracks to my career in simple, quick terms. My professional track, which I was a CTO in startups for about a decade, um, including a media startup, which really gave me sort of my front row seat to disruption happening in newspapers and magazines. Um, I then pivoted my career. I'm on the East Coast back then. Startup East Coast just wasn't an easy chemistry. Um, I wasn't ready to move to the West Coast back then. So I pivoted and started working for enterprises that said to me, Isaac, we need to enable data and technology and customer experiences as a strategic advantage. Can you bring startup-like practices, startup-like leadership to our enterprises? And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Uh, and, and different. I'm like, you sure what you you know what you're signing up for? So I took a job as the CIO at Business Week magazine, and then later the CIO at a construction data company that's now called Dodge Data and Analytics. I then went to my third role at a financial services analytics company, and that was another decade of just taking. Mm-hmm 
existing business models, existing products and services, upgrading them, changing the experiences. And then in the middle of that, you know, I had my second career going in parallel and I didn't know it was going to be a career. Somebody said to me during a startup, Isaac, your startup, your travel social network is great, but it's not plugged into the blogosphere. And I took that <laughs> comment way too literally. I started writing a blog back in mm -hmm. 2005. It has almost 600 blog posts on it now. I also write for CIO, for, in, for InfoWorld, for Enterprisers Project, a bunch of other websites. So my career writing started back in 2005. My career speaking started in 2010. And, you know, lo and behold, I put that all together back in 2017. Driving Digital came out then. I started my business, Star CIO, back then. Um, Star CIO, we really help companies and leaders who are trying to drive transformation. We have a whole center of excellence program around agile and DevOps and becoming data-driven. Uh, just came out with my second book, and that's just what I do. I just am a thought leader. I try to share as much as I know. And... Uh, Really enjoy being here, Jeff, to talk to you about it. That, that's awesome. And I, I think it was I, was, I was trying to remember this morning uh, how, how you and I connected. And I think it was through your blog. I think I started uh, following you. There was a list of uh, CIOs you need to follow on Twitter or something like that. Um, uh, yep. And uh, started following you there and reading your, reading your blogs and really found them uh, so insightful and and that's one of the things I love about Digital Trailblazer is because your stories reminded me so much of stories that I experienced, uh, and, and I know many of our listeners will too. So let's let's dive into the book a little bit. What, why was this uh, the the topic you chose for book number two? Why Digital Trailblazer? Yeah, that's a great question. But let me roll back because that wasn't the original intent. Okay. 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 You know, when I started writing this, um, my objective was just to start writing stories down. And I didn't know where it was going to go. I, you know, you know this, Jeff, because you've written your own books. It's sort of like write, running a marathon. You do it once, you go through the entire you know, exercise, the entire running, the pain after the, the run. And then somewhere in there, you're like, I got to go run the marathon again. Uh -huh. You know, I got to go uh -huh. do the, I'm not a marathon run. I do, I do century bike rides and it's like, oh, I'm ready to do the next one. Yeah, let me do the and, next one. And so that's how it started. Just started writing stories down and sharing some of those stories with some people to see, you know, are these relevant or, or even interesting? Should I do anything with this? And, uh, you know, I started creating a collection of them before the pandemic, this is like Christmas time, 2019. And I'm looking at these stories and people are asking me, Isaac, when's the next book coming out? When's the next book coming out? And so I made a conscious effort even before the pandemic saying, I'm going to get another book out in 2020. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then of course the pandemic hit and uh, I talk about that story in the book. Mm -hmm. um, but part of the way I got to finishing it was I had more time on my hands to really think through um, how am I going to create a cohesive storyline around um, these uh, stories? Um, and so I figured that out. And the next part of the journey was, well, how do I make it useful? And so rather than leaving it up to the reader to figure out, you know, why am I telling my 9-11 story or why am mm -hmm. I telling my story about um, bringing Agile into the enterprise? I better spell it out for people. And so I started putting out my lessons learned after that. 
And so now I had 10 chapters, 50 lessons learned. And then as you know, then you start doing the important things like, okay, who's the target audience? Yes. And, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and what are you going to call this thing? For real, that's the, what the working title, working title, title was leading transformation uh, was the working title. And then, you know, what does the cover look like um, and things like that. And uh, I really uh, homed in on one of the stories that I told in the book about just me dealing with the stress of being a leader, um, dealing with all the things that you have to keep inside and then recognizing one of the things that I found on my journey after Digital Trailblazer came out, um, the most vocal folks around that first book were not CIOs or chief digital data officers. It was, it was really people aspiring to be those leadership mm-hmm. roles. And um, they were coming from different disciplines, product management, data scientists, DevOps engineers, and developers and testers. And they said, look, you know, we understand our narrow lens of where we're coming from. We may or may not aspire to be a C-level one day, but we really don't know how to navigate our career. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, what do I call these people? And that's where the term digital trailblazers came from. And it's really anybody who is aspiring to be a transformation leader, continuous learning, um, understand how to build your depth and breadth of your skill set, and recognizing, you know what, you may not have ever been in front of a board or you've never been in a shock and awe moment or had to make a business case for something. So before you ever have to live through that experience, I told mine. And Jeff, you know this, um, some of my stories were winning stories and some of them were not, (laughs) not so much winners. And, and, and I, you know, I just, I share them for what they are because they're learning experiences. That, that's awesome. And, and because it is so personal, you know, you're, you're putting yourself out there, right? And, and you've been doing that for, for years uh, through your speaking and, and your other writing, but to, to have that personal story out there, I'd, I'd love to talk through uh, some of the stories, uh, some of the lessons. I, I, I don't want to take away the thunder because I want everybody listening to go out and buy the book. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I read it over a weekend. It's a really uh, it, it's one of those books that you, as a former IT leader myself, it's hard to put down because you're just, you're waiting to figure out what's coming next. So uh, I, I think our leaders will experience that as well. When you, when you talk about the being on the top floor of, of that uh, in the boardroom, what was the question? What, what, what did you get asked? And then uh, talk a little bit about what you did. Yeah. I mean, the real context there, I mean, I was in my 20s and I had done board meetings um, that were much smaller scale. You know, they were in our office. Um, yeah, the VCs wanted to throw darts at us, but, uh, you know, it, it was sort of disconnected. You know, when you're that young and, and this is in the 90s, you know, this was before startups and uh, were really mainstream, before VCs really knew how to throw the darts and the tomatoes at the founders. Uh, we had strategic investors who came in. Um, these were the old guard of media, right? And uh. this was, you know, the top floor of a major magazine powerhouse, you know, and you'd ride up the elevator to that floor and you would see the fashion magazine and you would see the technical magazine and you could kind of 
generalize who's working on what area. Mm -hmm. um, these are people who've made fortunes in the old guard of advertising and, uh, you know, the power lunches and all those things. And, um, you know, I was just at the tip of the iceberg of it. Um, and quite frankly, I didn't have a clue of what I was doing going into this, uh, the, to this board meeting. I had presented before, but this was, again, this was a group of people who could sit for four or five hours in a board meeting, hashing things through, and they were learning, right? They knew the web was going to be something new. They, they mm -hmm. were trying to figure it out for themselves. You know, we were the young kids on the block trying to say digital is everything, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Print will be dead and you better go do all this stuff, <laughs> you know, and we were arrogant at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but my CEO is very specific with me going into this thing, saying, you're there for support. You don't have a speaking role. You know, uh, you don't need to jump in, just learn and listen. And I was like, okay. And uh, we were uh, presenting a product at the time that was pre-AdSense. Um, we were placing ads on multiple websites. And we were doing that through early stage JavaScript, um, early stage cookies, all the things that you sort of can do now. But, you know, there's ad networks to do this. Mm -hmm. And trying to explain it to the, you know, to the, the media without getting into any of the technical jargon. And uh, of course, the head of sales says, you know, we're going to go place ads on your websites. And the head of the, the board looks at him and says, well, how are you going to do that? And he just blurts out, we're going to go cookie the users. And the head of the advert, the, you know, another board member looks at around and says, what's a cookie. And uh, of course, nobody really knows the answer to die to. <laughs> and I got to find a creative way of answering this mm -hmm. uh, without going down the rabbit hole of how browsers work and how servers work and what stateless uh -huh. machines are. And um, that's the story I tell in the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. Because I I can just feel the 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 eyes turn to you right when when uh, when they raise that what's a what's a cookie uh, the the other thing I love about the book Isaac is is your your chapter titles are are very creative <laughs> um, and uh, uh, one of them that jumped out at me uh, even before I read the book and it's even even more so now is uh, wearing the CEO's <laughs> diet coke. So talk to me about wearing the CEO's Diet Coke. Okay, yeah. So um, of the stories in the book, um, that chapter is by far my favorite. Um, I think I, you know, I can critique myself on, you know, staying in person first narrative versus, you know, trying to tell the story versus trying to sell, share the lesson. I think I was most successful in that chapter. And it's because they were very real stories to me. Um, mm -hmm. They were, you know, they were the things that for us old timers, you know, we talk about the days before cloud, um, the days when development was really difficult to do, which is still difficult today. Um, operations had its own difficulties um, in terms of just managing data centers and networks and storages systems. And, you know, everybody in technology, we had our own vernacular, right? Mm -hmm. We had our own drivers. We had our own KPIs and our own metrics and our own ways of doing things. And uh, here comes now the web. 
And now all of a sudden, building apps and customer experiences and doing things with data is not just something that tech companies are doing. You know, we're starting to become a SaaS company and we're starting to build this out on consumer websites. And now things that only technology companies used to have to figure out, now lots of companies have to figure out. So, you know, wearing the CEO's Diet Coke, this was essentially a story of an outage, you know, and as a classic finger pointing outage uh, between, you know, the, the knock on my side, the developers, uh, on my side and, uh, the, the, the colo and, the network provider that we were working with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Jeff, you, you know, this, you know, the, you know, our network operations t- leaders back then had to be, can I say this on, they had to be ball busters. Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh, can I uh-huh. say that? I mean, that's yeah, we'll just it what it was. Sure. Let it go. I mean, <laughs> if, if you've read my book and you got past You'll the know. first word, yeah. yes, but, yes, you yes. Know, I use colorful language at times and, and no disrespect to people. It's just, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are network operations and you're getting hammered every time there was an outage and chances are it wasn't anything you did, all right, you had to essentially beat people over the head to come back yep. and say, prove to me it's not in your court. Yep. And to do that, you know, sometimes you have to use even more colorful language. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, CEOs are, aren't always used to that. Uh-huh. And, and so <laughs> that's how I got to, uh, to uh, end up wearing the CEO's Diet Coke as you heard my network operations swearing at the data center folks in, 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 in more language that I care to share on a website. Yeah, yeah, You're going to have to go uh, read through that. Read but it was very real. Um, it was very true. And uh, he just spit it all over the place when he yeah. heard it. And, you know, I had to tell that story with a, 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 a little sensitivity for a couple of reasons. Um, one is because I wanted people to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Right. Some of the behaviors back then aren't appropriate. We know this today. And yep. I felt like I probably should have done a better job calling it out at the time. Um, and I'm very forefront in that chapter calling yeah. it out. Um, it also is a kind of a prelude to some of the things that still exist today. The stress mm-hmm. that people in operations feel trying to keep the lights on, trying to keep things humming along. Um, in some ways, systems are more complex today than they ever were. You know, we were dealing with two and three tier systems and, you know, network storage and, and you know, they have their complexities to them. But now I've got microservices and I've got Kubernetes and I've got, you know, more security issues than we can name on this podcast. Thousands of things can go wrong and they're feeling the stress of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that stress was filled felt by my team and by that leader. Um, and it did not have a happy and healthy ending. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, yeah, I hope, yeah. you know, and uh, tremendous lessons for me to learn around that uh, and, and for others to learn around that. Well, and, and I, I love that kind of segue. It's like, uh, it's like you're used to doing these interviews because you, you, you segued right into my next thing, Isaac, which is th- this book is more than just, the great stories. It's the lessons behind the stories. And um, as a, as an author myself, I, I love looking at other authors' books and the way they structure them. And and uh, for our listeners, when you pick up a copy of this book, you'll you'll see that Isaac does 
kind of the structure of each chapter is these stories and he goes through and you're learning the lessons as you're going through listening to the stories and his reflection on them. But then he calls out at the end of the chapter, here's the lessons, right? So very explicit, here's the lessons. Uh, and then even at the end of the book, you detail uh, all the lessons. So you've got this almost handy tear out sheet of yes. here's, here's the lessons, right? That, that you've had. So as you're, as you're thinking about the book, I'm going to put you on the spot. I think you said there's 50 lessons uh, throughout the book. What was your favorite? Oh, wow. That's a stumper. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to go back to the very first, I think it's the first lesson in the book in the first chapter about how important it is to get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I can apply that to a CIO who has been in their career for 10, 15 years and has, you know, done the playbook four or five times over, walks into a new organization. And if you don't listen and learn who the markets are, who the customers are, what are the opportunities? Where's the market moving in that industry? Um, what's the current culture um, look like? What does the current, the future culture need to be? Um, what are your skills and so forth? If you just take your playbook and reapply it and stamp it out somewhere else, mm -hmm. not going to work. Get out of your comfort zone. You got to relearn it. Okay. Um, I then think back to you know, that first Seattle time, you're, uh, you're really given that the reins over something. You're your first time CIO, or maybe you're leading M&A for the first time, and you have this major acquisition that you're trying to put together. Or maybe like you finally had the guts to go sell an innovation program, and you've got money and a team to go do this. Mm -hmm. And now you're like, I, I have this great blog post where I pull um, the snippet from Finding Nemo. And they do all this planning to get to the ocean, and they're in the water, in the in the in the in the uh, the bag, and they're floating in the water. And I think it's Puffer that says, "Now what?" Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You've done all the work to get to a point, and you're now figuring it out, saying, "Oh, I don't have, I don't know what comes next." So yeah. you know, what really comes next is getting out of your comfort zone and saying, "Okay, I got to learn and figure this out. Where's this journey taking me?" And then I, you know third use case, go back in your earlier in your career. And I love doing this when I was doing uh, and when I still do workshops. And I can see people who are going who have natural leadership abilities, they ask questions, they're trying to learn on the fly, they have no preconceived notions, they, they kind of leave their job titles behind. So mm -hmm. they might be product managers or they might be in marketing or operations, but they're very inquisitive about the end to end picture. And at some point, they're going to leave their comfort zone and try doing something somewhere else so that they can learn from it. And, you know, maybe it's the engineer who's going to go on a roadshow and learn what customers are using their how customers are using their product because they've never seen it before. Or maybe it's the marketer who isn't going to rely on a data scientist to chug on their data anymore. They're going to go pick up a self-service BI tool and learn how to use it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that story is so important and uh, it, it just permeates throughout the book. So, yeah. Well, and, and I think you're right. It does permeate throughout the book. It, it, it keeps coming back. The, the other thing that has been on my mind uh, lately, I've been involved in a couple of programs here in uh, Indianapolis on culture 
And you talk about culture from the perspective of a digital trailblazer. Talk to us a little bit about that and why culture plays a role as a digital trailblazer. Yeah, I'm going to jump back over to some themes in the later chapters, chapter nine and 10. You know, you talk about culture and, you know, I talked about my board meetings sitting in front of people who are, you know, kind of used to making their money, doing a certain way, having the business run a certain way, seeing profit margins coming in in a certain way. And now you're looking at this and say, well, this isn't going to work. Yeah. You know, the, you know, okay. So we have a catalog and now we're doing a website and then we're doing a mobile site. And guess what? You know, I'm not going to tell you whether the metaverse is going to be here in one, three or five or 10 years. It's going to be somewhere on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. And you can bet media is going to get disrupted. You can bet retail is going to get disrupted. I think there's huge opportunities in healthcare and construction and manufacturing. You're sitting there and you're starting to look at what's happening because you're, I don't know, you like the technology, you're playing around with it. And you're saying, well, how do I convince this group that we're going to do something different over here? That's a culture statement, right? Yeah. How are you going to convince the group that you need resources, you need a team, you need dollars, you need room to fail, all that kind of stuff. So you can start experimenting with a new way of delivering your product or service. And then you think about what I talk about in chapter 10, you know, digital trans transformation, the reason we're still talking about it is because it really doesn't end. You know, there's right, going right. to be new waves of what customers want. We have supply chain issues facing a lot of companies right now. Sustainability is a real opportunity and a real issue. We have talent that's, you know, whether you want to call it the resignation or quiet quitters or mm -hmm. global expansion or decent. I mean, lots of things happening depending on where you are with staffing and skill sets. And I could tell you the easy part of any transformation is getting the early adopters. Mm -hmm. Right. This is why, you know, startups can go from zero to like liftoff pretty quickly because you find some early adopters, you sell them on the value proposition there. You naturally find them. They're totally interested in this. Mm -hmm. But now you got to take it mainstream. You got to go from 10 people to 100 people in your company supporting you to 1000 people in your company supporting you. You're not getting to the, you know, to the detractors, which I talk about in the book, but you're dealing with that middle group. That's just, you know, I want to come in and do a three or four things on my day and then go home for the night. And you need them involved. They're subject matter experts. Yeah. You know, they have a lot of expertise, a lot of ideas. And, uh, you know, that's culture. How do you get them to give and provide feedback? How do you get them to double up? And I'm not just talking about hours, I'm talking about double up in their energy mm -hmm. to do today's work and then participate in what the future is going to look like. You know, when you come to them and say, hey, we're gonna invest time to learn a new technology. And you and I know this, when you learn something that's part of the job, you're not going to just be able to learn it in your 40 hours that they're paying you. You're going to have to right. extend into your personal life to do this at different times. Are you going to step up and do those things? And then are you going to go out and apply it? All that becomes part of culture. And then, then mm -hmm. you start getting into, you know, things I talk about in chapter eight, you know, what does it really mean to form diverse teams? How do you, you know, how do you create your leadership team? Um, what does it mean to be inclusive? So you hear people's opinion, mm -hmm. but then also, 
recognize that at some point you got to make some decisions. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think you alluded to this uh, a little bit as well, and you talk about it in the book, uh, influencing decision makers. What what are some of the skills or the traits that our digital trailblazers need to influence the decision makers to get, get things started in the first place? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. And I'm going to throw out some hints here without necessarily orchestrating an algorithm for you. <laughs> um, I recently did a blog post in a, in a video about establishing relationships mm-hmm. uh, with stakeholders. And there's two parts to it. There's the, how do I even get to know somebody who's going to be a decision maker? How do I establish that relationship? Really hard for general technologists. We tend to be introverts. Here's this person's been in the job for 15 years, and you're saying, "Well, I, you know, I may not even meet the person. We may not be in the same office for a while still. Uh-huh. You know, how do you how do you do a relationship with them?" And I, you know, I have a a video around that, and then I the blog post really covers how do you take that relationship and really make it meaningful. You know, I tell a story around Eleanor in the book. Um, she's a marketer who I, I only knew at the surface and I had to spend a lot of time understanding what her staff was doing, what, you know, how they were operating, what their goals were, what their pain points were, um, who were some people who were ready to partner with me. And then I could have a real conversation with her and saying, you know, here's where technology could help you out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I end that blog post saying, look, my job isn't to sell another executive all the time. It's sometimes just a, here's the art of the possible. Here are some options. Yeah, here are some yeah. things that you can go do. So I think that's a really important skill of investing enough time to develop relationships. And if you're a CIO, by the way, the reason executives need to invest 40, 50, 60, 70% of their time into relationship building. Mm-hmm. So the reason digital trailblazers, hiring them, mentoring them is so important is the CIO isn't going to figure out data science or DevOps or how to improve security. They need their lieutenants to do that. Right. Right. The CIO has got to be spending time with the CFO and saying, look, here's why you need to stretch the budget right now. Or the CEO mm-hmm. and saying, here's your role in transformation that I need you to step up in. And yeah. they got to set up those relationships. So that's a big part of it. And I'll say the other side of this is learning how to use data to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't come in you know, just coming in and saying, you know what, I think we should go invest in moving to the cloud because it's going to lower costs and it's going to improve our, our, our sustainability footprint, our carbon footprint, and we're going to be able to uh, be more nimble and agile once we're on the cloud. I mean, we've all heard that story mm-hmm. before, uh, but I need some data to back it. And I need to be able to tell that story with data before I share my insights and opinions around it, because more importantly, I need people in the room to look at raw data and come up with their own. So I need to orchestrate that story with them. So two things I think are really important to be able to use when you're influencing. I I love that. And, and, you know, I mentioned earlier, one of the things I love about the book is the way that you call out the lessons. uh, And then even at the end of the book, uh, recap the lessons uh, because that gives that really explicit learning to to the reader. And here on Status Go, we love to be really explicit about our call to action for our listeners. Uh, you know, it's kind of in our name, Status Go. 
So what are one or two things that you would tell our listeners to go do tomorrow because they listened to our conversation today? Well, uh, I would say the first thing is, uh, there's a little, you know, I think this is going to help all of you. Those lessons are actually just the start. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's only a page, page and a half of every chapter. You know, there's an appendix at the end of it. And you might be asking, where do you go next with this? And I've thought about this. So at the end of every chapter, you know, this Jeff, there's a URL. I mm-hmm. will tell everybody a secret. It all goes to the same landing page right now. So go right at the end of chapter one, because um, you're going to see videos. You're going to see added reading material chapter by chapter. I think every chapter has at least seven articles that I've written in the past that are the backdrop to the particular mm-hmm. chapter. Um, there's a video I recorded with Ginny around every single chapter. Um, four of them are up today. And uh, there's an entire community that we're building so that you can connect with other digital trailblazers. So, so, you know, this is not just a book and a bunch of lessons. This is something that I think you ought to be committed to. I mean, if you, you know, our careers are going to change dramatically over the next 10 years in very unpredictable ways. And, you know, you asked me, you know, what is a digital trailblazer? A big part of it is, continuing and investing in your learning. And I'm here to do that with you. That is awesome. And, and uh, action that we can all take. Um, I've checked out some of the resources. They are amazing. Um, Thank and, you. Uh, as you might, as our listeners might be able to tell, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Isaac's work. Uh, and I think you will be too, if you've not uh, checked his stuff out before, I think you'll really enjoy it. Isaac, I got to thank you for carving out time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, it means a lot um, that uh, that you're able to do that. And the next time, next time in, I'm in the New York City, I'll buy you the drink this time because I think you bought last time. I would. I, look, I don't care who buys the drink at this point. <laughs> um, I miss seeing you. It's been a long time between COVID and time before that. And yep. you know, don't wait for another 178 episodes before coming <laughs> me back, or wait for me to have another book before I do another one of these. That's a, awesome. that's a deal. That's a deal. We will we will have you back sooner than that, man. I I I do appreciate it. Excellent. I uh, hope you pick up the book. It's called Digital Trailblazer. I'm Isaac Sokolik. Uh, my website is starcio.com. And you can always find me on Twitter at NYIKE. N-Y-I-K-E. Awesome. Thanks for, for putting that in there. And uh, to our listeners, we will make sure that those are in the show notes as well uh, so that you'll have an easy way to get to them. If you do have a question or you want to learn more, visit intervision.com. As I mentioned, we'll have the links and the contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Isaac Sokolik. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.